everyone. Good day and welcome to another Psalm session. You are joined here by Miles and unfortunately still on the bloody phone. <laughs> that's supposed, really that's, what it comes down to. Yeah, now yeah. you're supposed to say your name. That's how that intro yeah, works. No, I, I was, I was going to say it's still Brent. It's like still I'm, Brent. I'm still Brent and I'm still here. See, yeah. we went over this like a show or two ago, how every time you know, I say, and over there on the phone, and then there's a big pause and... <laughs> I'm always like, what's he doing? What's he waiting for? Like, is he waiting for the, the red light to turn on? I don't, I'm tr- I don't know. I'm going to say, I'm waiting to say something real witty. That's I see. What it is. And then nothing yeah. comes out. So you just say, it's still Brent here. Stop. Got it. Got it. Uh, how, how you doing? <laughs> I'm uh, living La Vida Loca, loving life, <laughs> loving summer, uh, loving quarantine a little bit less. Well, yeah, you've got to love quarantine less and less every day. That's how that works. Yeah. Um, but you yeah. know what? L- live music is uh, slowly starting to come back. Slowly, kind of. Thanks for, thanks for that segue, because you, you, you may or not know uh, where I'm going with this. Oh. I mean, I usually go in a particular direction. And actually, the very first pandemic, quasi-during, slash not really over COVID, <laughs> sanctioned concert is, in fact... Sammy Hagar, no. September the 18th, September the 18th, outside front of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. It was Come just announced on. the other day. Well, yes. I did not know this. I did not yep. know this. Yep. Rolling That's Stone cool. will confirm it. Yep. So like, how many times have you seen Sammy? Um, I don't know. Like, I know you've got to take like your socks and shoes off to figure that one out. Yeah. But... Yeah. Like, like, a, like a lot I, in various iterations with Van Halen solo, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. Probably, uh, um probably 40 times or thereabouts wow so like what are what are his shows like like is he a high energy dude is he you know what are his shows like yeah he's pumped up he he's always been like a like a jumper and a dancer not not the best dancer granted but (laughs) um he's a ball of fire he he's like you know he does 100 jumping jacks i think before he comes out on stage just to get ready nice is he like a pyrotechnic show or is he like you're there for sammy and what he's doing up on stage video video screens he's got video screens and what i like is the show opens with some you know a real low hum and then a couple lights come on and there's like this retrospective video of his career like all these little flashes uh you know over the decades and then Boom, there he is That's on cool. stage. There's, yeah, there's something to be said for shows that, you know, have that, you know, it's more than a concert, you know? Like, I love those. I And, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love it, too, and it's that band that you love, and they're just up there doing their thing. That's great. But when you go to a performance that is that, it's a full-blown performance. Like, I, I so, always think yeah. of uh, Walk Off the Earth, and you, you go see those guys, and it's not just them playing music. It's... You know, the show I saw at one point, the lights go down and when they come back up, the entire band is replaced by replica Muppets of themselves who proceed to do a song. (laughs) Yeah, like it was totally unexpected, but it was amazing. And, you know, they're they're throwing guitars around and they're doing all their crazy instruments and they're playing with children's toys like it's it is a full blown production. It's a show and it's exciting and you feel like you've done so much more then see a concert. And I love shows like that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think the bands that do it really well and have used it uh, as a part of their, their act. Um, it's, it's pretty compelling. It's, it's, it's pretty memorable. Yeah. But I, I think of like, um, uh, there was a Motley Crue tour a bunch of years ago where they had kind of, it was a circus theme for the tour. So they had like 
acrobats on uh, ropes and hula hoops and, you know, swinging back and forth. Yeah. Um, and even like, let's go way, way back to you uh, two, the zoo TV. Yeah. Tour. Yeah. The video wall that they had the zoo TV. I saw that show at actually the old CNE stadium in Toronto. That was like 1991 or two, something nice. like that. And it was that, video wall had to be a thousand feet high it was massive that's crazy well and look at like kiss like kiss is known for one of the most theatrical shows in the history of music yeah you know and and it's funny too like you've got to start thinking you know because you and i work on the the kind of production side of the music industry and i know for me it's like I start the, uh, like the insurance company. Could you imagine the insurance company when Gene Simmons is like pitching the show and he's like, yeah, then I'm going to breathe fire everywhere in the insurance company. Excuse me. You're going to, you're going to do what now? Yeah. The you premiums know? are going chiching. Oh yeah. Right. Like, but I mean the, the, those shows kiss, uh, I, I saw disturbed a couple of years ago and pretty much at one point, like the entire stage is on fire. Like they drop these streamers down from the ceiling those go on fire. The piano was literally on fire while being played. Like the whole arena was burning and it was yeah. awesome. Yeah, you remember it, right? <laughs> oh yeah. You, you'll you'll never forget it. Oh yeah. You'll but never then, forget those moments. You know, on the flip side to this though, like I remember, oh God, this must have been about 10 years ago. I saw Foreigner Unplugged. And it was uh, they didn't have their drummer with them. So it was just the four guys. All the set was was four stools. That's it. They came out, they sat on these stools and, you know, there's a ton of instruments on stage and they would play a song and then they would talk and they would share stories that went on for like 10 minutes. And at no point were you ever like, this is boring, get back to the music. It was really cool to be a part of them sharing that their experiences on stage. It was, it was cool. So, I mean, I, you know, but again, it wasn't just Hey, we're going to play some music and then go away. It was, it was just really cool. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a great example of, uh, you know, the, the, the production value can, can still be just as impactful and, and memorable. Um, it's about having that connection between the yeah. audience and the artists on the stage. Right. Absolutely. Now thinking of theatrics and artists on the stage, I, uh, our guest today is no stranger to these things, to say the least. If you were a fan of the MTV era, there is no doubt in my mind you are well familiar with the man that we are about to talk to. Uh, this, ladies and gentlemen, is the man who brought you Talk to You Later, She's a Beauty, uh, and so many more. He's also known as, and I want to see if he remembers what this reference is, one of the three most important people in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Mr. Fee Waybill of the Tubes. Fee, how are you doing? Thank you. I'm good, thank you. I I remember Bill and Ted. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> uh, now, Fee, I've got to tell you, when we were kind of doing our homework for uh, this interview, and, uh, you know, you, you just type your name in Google, and one of the things that comes up is the three most important people in the world. And I was like, whoa, right. okay, we got to look into this. Right. Uh, and yes, of yeah. course, that 1989... Uh, cult classic Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, uh, Fee Waybill, Martha Davis, and Clarence Clemens are the three most important people in the world. And frankly, uh, I, I think we should all embrace that and stand by it. I, I think that's fair. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> now, I, I do have to ask you one question before we jump into uh, the work that you're doing is, with this new Bill and Ted movie coming out, do we get to see a bit of a Fee Waybill uh, way cameo in there? 
I do. You will not. No. They never called me. Oh, come on. Well, that's it. (laughs) Uh, Martha, actually, Martha was the one who got me into the first one. Uh, Her her daughter's boyfriend worked for the the production company that did the movie, and uh, so they never called me the first time. Oh, that's funny. uh, I heard they were doing the 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 sequel or the whatever remake. I don't know what the I haven't seen it actually. So. But no, I'm unfortunately well, and Clarence is not with us anymore. Yes. And uh, although I have, uh, I have been uh, talking to Martha. Uh, she's she's doing really well, and uh, we've actually done some gigs together recently. And uh, well, recently, eight months ago, <laughs> maybe. Uh, so. Uh, no, unfortunately, I won't be there. Well, folks, then you're you're going to hear it right here on this Psalm session. We're going to encourage you all to boycott the new Bill and Ted. Yeah, uh... don't don't watch the movie. <laughs> okay, uh, okay, I won't watch it. Fair enough. So, well, I can't I can't watch it anyway until it comes out on DVD. Can I? This is true. We're I mean, all I can't go uh, to the theater. this is true. We're we're, we're we're all locked down. It's true. It's so true. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. Maybe maybe here's what we could do, Fee is. When we're all able to get into the theater, let's uh, have you fly up from L.A., come and see us, and the three of us will go watch the movie together. Okay. There we go. Sounds good. Dressed, dressed in the outfits as the three most important people in the world. That's we'll right. The outfits. All right, let's get, let's get on track here. This, I, could, uh, I could talk to you all day about Bill and Ted, so let's, let's get on track, though. Now, Fee, you have recently uh, put out this brand-new album, Fee Way Bill Rides Again. Congratulations, first of all. I have listened to this album top to bottom. uh, And and one of the first things, A, I mean, like I said, congratulations, great album. One thing that really leapt out for me is you have something for everyone on this album. And I think that's really cool. You know, you'll be flicking through and, oh, this tune's pretty bluesy. And then the next one, oh, this one almost sounds country. And, oh, this one's like classic rock. like. When you started this process, and I know uh, Richard Marks was heavily involved in this album, what for you brought together all of these concepts to make this album? How how did the journey happen for you? Well, uh, I'll tell you. I mean, uh, uh, this this record was seven years in the making. Wow! So uh, we the the first song, Faker, the first song on the record was the first song Richard and I wrote. And Richard, you know, Richard is my best friend and has been my best friend for 37 years or something. Oh, wow. We've been very, very close. We've written many, many, many songs together. I've been fortunate enough to have three or four big hits with him that I wrote the lyrics for. And and Richard is a brilliant, brilliant musician and producer and it was it was his idea. I mean, I hadn't done when we met in 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 2013. I hadn't done a solo album since '96, and uh, and I was in. We we used to. Uh, Richard has three sons, and I'm the godfather to his oh, three wow. sons. And we when they when the boys were young, and Richard lived in Chicago, and I lived here in Los Angeles. Uh, we used to do a summer trip every year. And we would go at just a boys' trip, where we Richard had Richard's family had a cabin in Manaqua, Wisconsin, 
which is about four hours north up in way northern Wisconsin. And we used to, the boys and, and Richard and I would drive up to Minocqua and we'd spend a week at the cabin every summer when nice. they were younger. And uh, we'd go fishing and we'd go horseback riding and we'd go go-kart driving and just had a great, great time. And uh, we did this for, gosh, we did this for maybe six or seven or eight years. Uh, Brandon was born in 1990 and then Lucas, 92, and then Jesse, 93. And so when they were young, when they were 7, 10, you know, 12 years old, we would do this every summer. And then in 2013, you know, we had it all planned and and I went to Chicago for our trip and the boys went, you know, no. (laughs) (laughs) By then, by then, Brandon was was uh, thirteen or fourteen years old, and he went. You know, I don't really. I I, I want to stay home and play video games, and I want to. You know. Anyway, the whole damn thing was kids, canceled. eh? Damn kids. And uh, the boys just weren't interested in fishing anymore, and uh, so Richard said, "Well, you know, let's." It was his. He and they had, he he had a. Richard had a studio in his house there in Chicago. He lived north of Chicago in a, a little town called Lake Forest. And he had this really nice studio there, and he had done a number of his records there. Uh, he said, let's go let's go to the studio and write a song. And I went, well, okay. He goes, let's do a solo album. Let's do a few Waybill solo album. We haven't done one since... Ni- he was involved in the one I did in 1996, uh, Don't Be Scared by These Hands, which we did in L.A., uh, with a, with another friend of ours, Bruce Geich, who is a guitar player, who now lives in Nashville. And he said, let's do another record. I said, oh, okay. And so we went in and uh, uh, we did that first song. We did Faker. And and it came out great. And we had a, you know, Matt played guitar on it. And we had this great, we, 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 made, a, we made a great kind of rock, classic rock kind of 80s guitar mm-hmm. record. And... Uh, and and we we went wow that was pretty cool let's do another one and then so then we did another one then we we actually during that time period we did four songs we did faker we did how dare you we did promised land and woulda coulda shoulda we did four songs and uh, and then and then we we kind of did you know then kind of life interrupted and every you know everything kind of got put on the on the back burner for about gosh about five years maybe four or five years we didn't do anything else and uh richard went on tour and i went on tour and you know we changed agents and he changed agents and we changed managers and this and that and on and on and on and you know every once in a while he would call me up and go let's do another song okay (laughs) i'm here it's time you're ready. <laughs> and then he would go out on tour. And then it was put off for another eight months, you know. And uh, and then, uh, and then, you know, kind of, as I say, life, life continued to interrupt. And Richard ended up getting a divorce and moving out to California. And, uh, and then, you know, I remember when he moved to California, he said, okay, let's go do the record. And no, no. Then, then something else happened, and then he met Daisy Fuentes, and then they started dating, and then he ended up marrying da- Daisy. And and I, at the time, 
was sing- had you know I had married Elizabeth, my wife, in uh, in 1997, and then got divorced in 2001, and then so my life was in flux, and I was single, and like a lot of those songs are kind of I kind of call it lonesome cowboy songs. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like. like uh, so anyway, uh, finally, things kind of settled down. Richard got married, moved in together in Malibu. I remarried Elizabeth in uh, a year ago, July, and moved in with her. And so both of our lives kind of became uh, more settled and more normal and kind of, uh, you know, and we're both touring and stuff, but... Uh, uh, about a, about a year and a half ago, I think you know, early nineteen nine nineteen uh, two thousand nineteen, uh, he said, "Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's do it. Let's continue. Let's finish this off. We've waited long enough." And so we went back. We we got back together and we started you know looking through our files for songs that might be appropriate here and there. And uh, you know there was. Uh, the, the the ballad on the record "Say Goodbye" was a song that I had written for Richards, one of Richards records, three or four years ago, and he never used it on on oh. one, on any of his albums. And and I all I, it was one of those songs where you know I'd go to my iTunes and I'd see "Say Goodbye" and I'd play it and it would just make me cry. <laughs> I couldn't, I just couldn't get over it. And so I said, "No, I want to do this song." And he said, oh, "Okay." So we got the file out for that song, and it, it already had a track with him singing on it. And so I, I said, okay, well, I'm, you know, delete your vocal. <laughs> <I'm> just, <I'm laughs> yeah. Take that, Richard Marks. And, so, and he said, okay, fine, you know. And so I did that one. And then, uh, uh, and then uh, Man of the World was the same kind of thing. We had written it a few years ago. And we didn't know, I could, and we, neither of us remembered it. I, I didn't remember the song. And he, didn't, he goes, I found this, I found this track, and, and there's no, there was no title and no lyrics and just kind of a la-la melody on it. And he said, you remember this song? I went, no, I don't remember it. I don't, what was the title? He goes, I don't know. And so I went to my, uh, I went to my, uh, my you know, lyric file, and and started and started looking for songs that would fit. So I kept I kept finding a song, and then I would I would you know I would pull up the lyrics, and then I'd put up the track, and then no, it didn't fit. It didn't fit the melody, and the, you know the lyrical pentameter didn't fit the melody. And so I kept looking and looking. Finally, I find Man of the World, and uh, and it and I went, well, this is it. It fits. This is the song we wrote and forgot all about. Yeah. And so then we went in and we we cut that song and then uh uh and then and then he had written uh he had written had written a song for he he wrote Still You on the Inside. He wrote with Chad Kroger yes. from Nickelback. Yes. And and they submitted it for a Daughtry album. Oh wow. And they wrote that song for Chris Daughtry. And uh, and he didn't want to do it. And Richard sent me the song, and he said, you know, he always sends me stuff he writes, whether it's for him or for other people. You know, just you know, keeps me updated on everything he's writing. And 
And I love the song. And from the first moment he sent it to me and I played it, I went, man, this song is so great. This, and I, I couldn't believe it when he told me that, that Daughtry didn't want to do it. I couldn't believe it. And I, so that was another one. I said, Richard, Richard, I want to do this, okay? And, and the vocal that I had for that track was, was Chad singing it. Oh, wow. And that guy is unbelievable. He is such a great singer. Oh, yes. He is yep. so great. And he, he's, other than Richard, he's probably my second favorite all-time singer. Nice. And, uh, and then, you know, and so I thought, well, gosh, I really want to do this song, but I don't know if I can, if I can beat Chad's vocal. Man, it's amazing. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then, and Richard even did that song. Richard loved the song too. And he did it as a bonus track on one of his records. And, uh, so I said, I want to do this. And he goes, man, it's really, really high. Okay. I don't know. It's really high at the, the, the end chorus, you know, where you jump up to the, to the higher octave is really high. And we both had a hard time singing that. And I went, and I, I want to do it. I, I don't care. I'll try. Let me try. If I can't do it, I can't do it. But I want to try it. Yeah. So I went in and and cut the vocal, and uh, and it came out great. And I mean, that's one of my favorite songs on the record. And it's very country. Yeah. And you know, all of this explanation kind of gets back to the fact that since we did these songs over a spirit a span of time, seven years. It wasn't like, you know, we went in at one time and we did a whole album of songs that were pretty much the same. You know, it mm-hmm. just, times changed, we changed, and and so, uh, and I was writing, you know, my life changed, and, you know, I was single, and I was not single, and then, so, uh, so finally in the middle of last year, we said, okay, we've got, now we've got uh, seven songs. Let's just let's write a couple more songs and go in the studio and track them and do the vocals and then we'll just send it to Matt. Uh, we have a, a friend in Chicago, Matt Crock, who mixed and mastered the album. <clears throat> I'll accept I'll accept Baker, which which Chip Matthews did, the guy from Nas- Nashville. He said let's let's do a couple of songs and send it to Matt and call it a day. And uh, so then we went. Then we wrote. Uh, don't want to pull the trigger, and uh, which was actually a title that Richard sent me, and he sent me this. He sent me, you know, the the intro of the song is this little demo that he sent me on my texted me on my phone, and and uh, you know talking about okay, well, the kind of the guitar. I'm I'm on acoustic guitar, and the guitar part goes like this. I can't really play it, but I'm going to sing it, and then it goes. And so my wife, my wife, Elizabeth, you know, I, I played her the, the text. She went, oh, and that's so cool. And it was her idea to say, why don't you just take this little snippet of the, of the demo and have it, have it lead into the actual recording of the song. Nice. And uh, we went, oh, well, I, don't, I never did that before. That's pretty cool. And so we did that. And so that's, that's makes that song really unique for me also and uh, and then uh, and then we wrote the last song meant to be alone which is I wrote that as a, a poem uh, you know I had I, I wrote a, a book of poetry a while back and I'm working on my second book of poetry and uh, and and not really song lyrics you know just poetry and not necessarily verse chorus verse chorus kind of of uh, structure and uh, 
so I had this, that was, that was one of the last poems I wrote before we reunited, Elizabeth and I, and got remarried. That's why I meant to be alone. I was kind of feeling down and, you know, had a couple of drinks and late at night and, you know, I'm writing poetry on my phone. Yeah. And, uh, and so then I, he sent me a, he sent me a, and that's kind of the, the, the prototypical lonesome cowboy song, you know, I'll be what the buzzards eat, <laughs> then be what the sun is bleaching, bone. And, uh, so I, I, uh, I went, when he sent me the track, you know, I went back and started looking through my poetry stuff and I went, okay, well, I'm going to turn this poem into a verse chorus, verse chorus kind of, uh, kind of, uh, lyric. And, uh, and then, you know, and then we, we went in and cut that song and we cut it with, with Richard's band, uh, Jay and Why Not and Brian on drums and Matt Scannell on guitar, Matt from Vertical Horizon, yes. a good friend of ours that we've always, you know, recorded and played together and, uh, uh, we cut that track and then we sent it off to Matt in Chicago and, you know, say, okay, mix these, master these, let's do it. And we finished it in January. And, uh, and then I got, I went to work on the album art and Elizabeth again helped me with, you know, we found this picture. She's, you know, with me with a mustache and <laughs> she's made me start wearing a mustache. I've never had a mustache in my whole life. <laughs> and she loves it. She goes, Oh, you look like Clark Gable. And she's, you know, insists that I leave the mustache. So we found that picture and, uh, and then Prairie Prince, the drummer from the tubes, uh, who is, you know, the artist that created all of the tubes art for all of those years. And I sent it off to Prairie and I said, Prairie, can you help me put together a, a package, you know, a, a cover package? And he did. And, and so we got it all together and then I got it manufactured and everything. And then, Bam, March, COVID-19 hits. Yes. And the whole thing, just, everyone just went, oh, my God. And, you know, my friends were going, well, you, I, and, and I, you know, I hadn't, I didn't have any release plans, actually. You know, I, I'm, my management, my manager said, you know, well, you know, this is, maybe it's not a good time to release this because everything's shut down and the business is in, you know, lockdown and, there's no gigs and there's no, you know, I said, no, I said, uh, I said, you know, this is, this is the perfect time mm -hmm. because everyone is locked down. Everyone's quarantined. And what are they, you know, they, they, I, I think it would be great to listen, to have something new to listen to, have some, you know, try to bring a little joy, you know, to this horrible time that we're in. Absolutely. And, uh, so we did it anyway. We just said, "Okay, screw it. We're, we're not going to go look for a label. We're gonna we're gonna do it ourselves, and we're gonna you know we're gonna put out a press release and do the social media and and see what happens." And uh, so it's been. I mean, the response has been amazing. I mean, I am stunned. You know, I haven't had a record for 24 years, and you know, it came out on Amazon as. It, it entered the chart on Amazon as number 10 on yes. new releases. Yes, congratulations and, uh, on that. I saw that as well. That's awesome. Yeah, and I'm, and, and so, you know, my man, Jonathan Wolfson is my manager, and 
and uh, he's a brilliant guy. He goes, man, this is. Let's put out a press release. Let's, you know, let's let's do let's let's work this, man. This this is this seems to be working. So, uh, you, you know what? And and everything that you just said, it it. I wish more than anything that we still lived in that golden age of people going out and physically buying the album and you know you would open it up and you would take out the book and you would start reading through the little book because everything that you just said transformed this album for me as a listener from a musical product to a journey you know I I feel now like I can connect to these songs and as you're telling these stories having listened to your album I can go okay that I know now I know the time in his life when he wrote this it makes sense and I get it and wow yeah. And then, you know, the way yeah. that flows into the next. And, uh, yeah, like I thank you for sharing that story. Because, like I said, that that just really transcended your whole album for me. And I think that's a, a really cool story and experience. And that it took you so long. Um, but, yes, you are. You're top ten new releases. And you've earned that. Congratulations. Because it is. It is a great, well, great album. I, I, yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know if you've seen the, the actual physical product of the record i haven't no no we did we oh there we did a nice package and there is a an insert there is a lyric book nice and it has all the lyrics and the credits and all the musicians that played on every song and uh uh yeah ask tom you know the guy who set this up tell tom you want him to send you a record yeah or send you a cd i know nobody you know nobody does cds anymore but I'm old school, and I printed up a bunch of CDs, and you know, to send to my friends and to put on the website and everything. So, the package is really nice, and it and it's, uh, you know, it's got a little dedication to Richard. And, oh, that's and cool, Elizabeth, and it's got all the lyrics and all the players, and and Prairie did a really nice job on it. It's really cool. Nice, and it's got some you know Mayan pyramid stuff on it, and we we met. My wife and I met at a Mayan pyramid in Guatemala. Wow! On a solar eclipse <laughs> on well, 7/11. Wow! 91. Well, that's yeah, random. That's kind of why I woulda, coulda, shoulda. I put in that 7/11. Nice. But uh, yeah, yeah, and so uh, on separate vacations. I mean, she was on a vacation with a friend of hers and I was on a vacation with a friend of mine and we both happened to show up at this pyramid called Tikal uh, in northern Guatemala where the solar eclipse was going to, was going to be 100% uh, totality, you know, that swath, which meant at 2.45 in the afternoon the whole the sun was going to black out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so we met early that morning uh, just by chance, and it's funny that she was with a friend of hers, this young man from Santa Monica, and uh, I was there with my friend Rick, you know, and we're both way into Mayan culture and Mayan history, and that's why we were in, in Guatemala to visit Mayan pyramids. And uh, uh, and they, Elizabeth and uh, this guy, his name is Randy, walked out of the jungle, and we're sitting there at this temple, the Temple of the Inscriptions, and they walk out of the jungle, and I'm standing there with Rick, and I go, hi, hi, how's it going? And, and the guy, Randy, goes, you're Fuego from the tubes. And I went, <laughs> what? You know, and I'm, I'm, in, I'm in 
shorts and a t-shirt and it's you know 98 degrees nice. and 98 percent humidity and we're just all just sweating like crazy he goes yeah you're from the and the guy starts and, and that's it he starts going off well tell me about this and what about the tubes and what about that? oh i saw you and blah 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 and we spent the whole day together and uh and you know and i'm immediately you know stunned by his date Elizabeth and I'm trying to you know I'm I'm hitting on his date the entire day <laughs> trying to get away from him and hitting on the date and uh and it was funny because he had a video camera you know he had one of those gigantic video cameras that are so big you got to hold on your shoulder and he's filming the day you know and I'm I'm trying to you know to herd Elizabeth away from him in order to chatter up you know and because I'm taken immediately, you know, head over heels, and uh, and he keeps catching us. He keeps coming around the corner with his video camera on, <laughs> and there I am chatting up his girlfriend. <laughs> and uh, and so that at the end of the, so then you know we're getting close to the solar eclipse time, and we climb up the giant, the biggest pyramid at the at Tikal, the huge pyramid, which is. A picture of it is in the is in the package in the CD package, and right as the solar eclipse starts to happen, a monsoon comes over, clouds the entire sky, and it just opens up and downpour. Monsoon downpour, wow. and the whole sky becomes dark and black. We miss the entire eclipse because it's so clouded over, and uh, and just sit up there soaking wet. <laughs> and uh, so at the end of the day, the end of that day, we're, you know, they're, they're going north. They're heading back to Santa Monica. Rick and I are heading east because we were staying in Belize at the time. And so we're going to be driving back to Belize City. And, uh, and I'm going, you know, I'm, and I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, uh, how am I, what, what? And we're just, you know. And so I asked Randy, I said, Randy, you know, I'd really love to get a copy of this video. You know, I'm trying to get some kind of connection here. Yeah, you know, yeah. Because I lived in L.A. also at the time. And uh, and Randy goes, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. I'll make you a copy. Just, you know, give me a call when you get back home and uh, you can come over and get a copy. I said, oh, okay, great. And <laughs> and so I did when we got back to to L.A., I called him up. I said, I'd love to get a copy. He goes, okay, I'll make you one. So he said, said you know, come come on over in a week or so. So I go over in a week and get the copy and I go, oh, Randy, by the way, uh, how's uh, Elizabeth? What's happening? You know? <laughs> he goes, oh, uh, nothing. We're not together. No, nothing. Oh, really? And, and he kind of completely shuts me down. <laughs> and I just kind of went, oh, okay, well, uh, and I, I should have, right then, I should have said, well, could I get her number from you? But yeah. I was too embarrassed to do that. Yeah. And, uh, and so I just kind of, I just kind of went, well, okay, I guess, I guess uh, I wasn't meant to be somehow. And, uh, and then that was, that was July of 1991. And then in February... Eight months later, in February of 1992, I'm working out. You know, I'm I'm crazed, you know, to work out now. So I'm in a gym 
and the Santa Monica Athletic Club, and I'm working out, and who walks through the front door Come with on. her friend, who is a guest, but Elizabeth? No. And I swear to God, and then I'm I'm laying down, you know, I'm trying to do bench press with my friend that I work out with, my workout buddy, and she walks in, she sees me across the room, and she walks up to me and goes, hi, remember me? We met in Guatemala oh, wow. a few months ago, and I just completely lost it. I just went, oh my God. If that's not fake, I, that, don't, I don't know what is. Yeah, that was my entire that's so we started dating, and you know, the rest is history. The rest is history. Well, hey, Fee, let's let's talk a little bit about history because we've touched on the new. Now, I, I I would be remiss if we didn't bring this up, but back in the days of the tubes, uh, now you were known as a fairly theatrical individual. Uh, I've got to know. We've got to know these alter egos. My personal favorite being Quaalude with his eighteen-inch uh, platform boots. Where did these guys come from, and and why? Why did you go down this road of adding that level of theatrics to your show? Well, uh, I'll tell you. Uh, we well, first of all, my background was theater. Yeah. I always, you know, it, it, I, I was very fortunate to uh, uh, go to a high school, Scottsdale High School, Scottsdale, Arizona. And they had a theater arts department, which is something rather rare these days. And we had a big, huge theater arts department. We had uh, we had a, a singing group called the Scottsdale Singers that was an incredibly talented choir that I was a member of. And we did all these incredibly intricate, you know, we did Handel's Messiah and every year. Nice. And all these really complicated Baroque to Bach and all of these very complicated uh, vocal arrangements. And we had a great director. His name was Joseph Esley. And he was the director of the entire theater arts department. And every year, we would do plays. And three or four plays every year, we'd do musicals. We'd do, uh, you know, Sound of Music, Most Happy Fella, Music Man, uh, Camelot, Oklahoma, uh, Carousel, you know, every year we do three or four musicals, and so I was, I loved, I loved it, and I started acting in high school and doing, you know, doing doing musicals, and I mean, I did Cyrano de Bergerac. One nice. Year. One year I did Cyrano de Bergerac, and later in the year I did Little Abner, and <laughs> I played Little Abner at about <laughs> 90 pounds. Oh, I love that. <laughs> you know? I love that. And I'm a, I'm a tall, skinny kid, and I'm going, you know, I, uh, Mr. Esley, uh, am I going to wear like a big muscle suit, you know, to make me look big and muscly like yes. Little Abner's supposed to look? He goes, no, no, you're just going to think strong. You're going to think big. Yeah. And when Pappy Yoakum jumps off the roof, you're going to think, okay, I got him, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I did. I I continue, you know, I all all four years of high school, I acted. I did plays and again and again and again and, and I was a good singer and I was in the singing group and my mother used to be a a singer when she was a my 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 mother and father lived in Omaha Omaha Nebraska and I was born in Omaha Nebraska and before my mother got married and had kids 
she was a sing a big band singer. Oh wow! And, and back in the day, big bands would come to town. Uh, I mean, she sang with Duke Ellington. Once. Wow! Uh, big bands would come to town, and they weren't carrying, you know, a singer. And they'd pick up a singer, you know, in the in each town they went. And she was the one. She was the local great singer that they all picked up. And you know, they would all do the standards. You know, they, they all did the same gig. They all did. They did the standards. You know, begin the begin and you know stuff like that. And and so my mom was a singer. And so after she you know got married and started having kids, uh, you know that kind of career went by the wayside. And we moved to Scottsdale, Arizona. But we always had music in the house. Always. Nice. We always were singing. My mother was singing. I was singing. We would sing. You know, uh, we would buy albums. You know, like the soundtrack to. Uh, 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 whatever, Redhead or Oklahoma mm -hmm. or uh, uh, West Side Story was one of my all-time favorites. In fact, I sang when I when I went to high school. Uh, I wanted to get into this vocal group, the Scottsdale Singers, because they were so big time, and we would they would you know for like three years in a row we were the state champion choral group. Oh wow! And uh, Joseph Esley would take us to state competitions, and uh, and I wanted to get into that that group, and but you had to audition. So the summer before my freshman year, I sang Maria oh, from wow. West Side Story wow. as my audition piece, and sang it a cappella. Yeah, and. I got put into the Scottsdale Singers, which was a varsity singing group. They, I got in as a freshman. Nice. And I wow. was the first one ever in history of Scottsdale Singers that they let a freshman into the Scottsdale Singers. But anyway, so I was always singing and acting. And, and when we got, when the band got together, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if you know the story, but I started as a roadie. And with Roger Steen's band, and we moved to San Francisco because Prairie, our drummer, artist, and he was an artist, and uh, Prairie got a scholarship to the San Francisco Art Institute, and Prairie, uh, so we moved from Phoenix to San Francisco because of that, and I wasn't in the band at the time, and I was just a friend of theirs, and they said, hey, you know, we need somebody to drive the truck <laughs> to San Francisco with our equipment. And so I said, okay, okay, great. And so I was ready to go. And I did, I did, and I became their roadie for a while. And, uh, and then we merged together with another Phoenix band, Bill's, Bill Spooner's band called the Beans. And we merged together with them. And, uh, except they already had a bunch of roadies and didn't need me. And so, uh, I said, well, you know, I can sing. I'm a pretty good singer. I could do background vocals. They went, oh, okay, you can be a background singer. And so I started, so I got, I was the background singer. And then we, uh, you know, we, we started doing theatrics right, right from the very beginning. Bill had a, uh, like a, a space, odyssey, space odyssey kind of long half an hour piece that he had written. It was kind of like the piece in Spinal Tap. And, uh, 
so we so Bill that the the in the beginning Bill would you know the the Beans would do like thirty minutes of their material and they were they played original material and and then Roger and Prairie and I would come on as the radar men from Uranus and <laughs> we would dressed as with like mylar spacesuits and you know tin foil antennas and so it all it all began with us wearing dopey costumes and we made nice. these big uh, we called them fleshophones they were like uh, <laughs> polyurethane foam with a kazoo in the top wow and, uh, so it all started right from the very beginning we started doing theatrics and, I love it and it was something to stand you know in San Francisco back in those days in the early 70s there was a million bands I yeah. mean there, there was a band on every corner, yep. and everybody was trying to, you know, make a mark and get a gig, and uh, and so we did, and nobody was really doing any kind of theatrical stuff. Yeah. And so we started doing it, and in order to maybe get a gig and stand out from the from the crowd of bands, you know. Sure. And uh, well, I'd say it and worked. And you know, we <laughs> yeah, we met Kenny Ortega. And, you know, Kenny Ortega said, well, I want to help you. You know, he wanted to be a choreographer. He was just a, a dancer in a chorus line, you know. And uh, uh, he said, I want to I want to I want to choreograph. I want to be a, choreo a choreographer and I want to help you put together this theatrical presentation. And so we did. OK, great. And so we got dancers and Kenny put it together and then uh we started doing all these elaborate theatrical productions yeah. and uh, we actually got signed to, you know, we had sent a cassette tape to all these record companies uh, uh, in LA to try to get a record deal. And we actually got signed. We did a video of Quaalude and <laughs> sent it to A&M Records. And we got signed on the strength of a video. That's awesome. With Quaalude. That is awesome. And, uh, yeah. And uh, and so that was it. We were off, you know, with, with Kenny. And, and then we got a deal. And then we made records. And then we just, you know, developed this theatrical presentation that just became, you know, legendary. It just more and more elaborate and dancers and props and sets. Yes. And just, you know, insane. That is very cool. I that yeah. You guys you do. You have such a, a rich, rich history with the tubes and with your solo work. And so look, I, I said we were gonna take about half an hour of your time and we've run over that. But I have one last question for you, given this amazing history sure. that you have. If you could go back to nineteen seventy five and give twenty five year old you some advice, what would you tell yourself? <laughs> well, who would have known, you know, I mean, back then, you know, back then, you, you know, you didn't, you, you thought, you know, by the time you got thir to 30, you were too old yeah. to be a musician. You were too old to be in a rock band. Yeah. And, you know, who, who would have ever known? And, uh, but, uh, but, you know, that's, that's. It, it, it's like in the completion backward principle. Imagination creates reality. I mean, all I, when I was a kid, and I was, you know, when the Beatles came out, the Beatles came out in my freshman year of high school. Nice. And all I could think about was being in a band, and all 
I could think about was being a singer in a band. I want to be a singer in a band. And I used to go around singing Beatles songs and this. And I mean, I, I, the Beatles changed my life. I know a lot of people say that. A lot of people can say that. And it's true. And that's all I wanted to do was be a singer in a band. And I, when they asked me to, you know, drive the truck to San Francisco and help, you know, help with the band, I thought, well, this is, I'm one step closer yeah. to being in a band. Yeah. And, uh, and then I got to be the background singer and I thought, okay, I'm one step closer to, to being a lead singer in a band. And, and I used to, they used to say, you sing so, you sing too loud. Dude, you sing too loud. Use <laughs> you your sing background too vocals. loud. You know, shut the fuck up. And <laughs> so, and, so uh, and finally they went, okay, well, then you sing it then. You sing so loud, you go ahead and sing it. Love it. And so then I got to the be lead singer, and, and you know, I was I'm, I was in heaven, and I'm still in heaven. And yeah. So happy and, and lucky to be able to still sing and my voice has held up so well nice. over the years. Yes, yes. I, uh, I, that was the first comment that I made to my wife while listening to your album. Uh, I played for her, uh, gosh, I think it would have been She's a Beauty. And, she, and and my wife was like, yeah, yeah, I love this song. I love the song. And I went, okay, now listen. And I played one of your new tunes. And I went, how is his voice still this good? How is this happening? Yeah. Like, that's more talent than any one person should be allowed to have. So congratulations for that, sir. <laughs> It uh, it truly well, it it I, is. I, I I was I've been really lucky with my voice. I used to, I, and you know, back in the day when when we were uh, touring like crazy, and, yeah. You know, I looked. Uh, we're my, my wife and I are doing a book, kind of a book of my life, and we're nice. putting together. My mother saved all those clippings and all the reviews and everything from all those years, and we're going through it, and I'm looking at an itinerary from, like, 1981 or something, and we're doing, like, ten in a row, ten nights in a row in different cities, and I just go, how could I have ever done that? Right, you know, when we go out now, four is my limit. I won't do more than four in a row and tell the booking agent, no, don't. Don't book the fifth night because I'm I yeah. four in a row, and but I remember we I used to do uh, if if my voice was getting strained and I was losing the high notes I would go to an acupuncturist. Oh wow! And I we'd come into a city and I'd open the phone book and I'd find acupuncture and I'd make an appointment and I'd go to the to the acupuncture guy and they would stick needles right into my vocal cords. Oh, God, and, that sounds awful. Yeah, right into my vocal cords. <laughs> and then all oh. these other meridians all the way oh. you know, down your arm and your thumb and your head oh. and your feet and do a whole thing of, of acupuncture needles and just lay there for an hour. Wow. Sometimes they would even hook up uh, electrical charges to it. Jesus. So it really, you know. <laughs> and so I, I did that hundreds of times and and it worked every time yeah i would wow. i would come in there and i could barely sing a note and i'd walk out of there singing like a bird wow and it was amazing that is it amazing was, i was i'm completely completely uh completely cured oh, i love and it i i did it again and again i did it all over the world i did it in germany i did it in england i did it in all over the usa and whenever i would start to get strained i'd go okay Stick the needle in. Here you go. Wow. And, uh, and it always works. So I never, you know, I never 
let it get to a point where I had to have surgery yeah. or I got vocal yeah. nodes or something like that, you know, like other people have had to do. And uh, so I'm just, I'm really lucky. I'm really fortunate. And it's really held up for me. Well, congratulations. So, folks, we have been talking here today with uh, singer, songwriter, and frontman of the tubes, Fee Waybill. Fee, of course, is promoting his new album, Fee Waybill Rides Again, available pretty much everywhere albums are available. It, uh, Of course, yeah. it's up there on Spotify, yeah. but it sounds to me, and uh, I mean, just from what you've told me, uh, yes, go check it out on Spotify, but go buy the album because, you know, those tangible pieces that you were talking about sound like the kind of thing that all lovers of music should be holding on to when they listen to this album. So, you know, again, Fee, thank you so much for your time. Really do appreciate it. Congratulations oh, on the new and, album. And, and stay safe, safe up there in Canada. Yes. And uh, uh, you guys are doing a much better job of it than we well, are. We're trying. Sure. We're and, trying. Uh, and uh, how do you spell Canada? Oh, uh, I, I, I don't know. C-A-N-A-D-A. Oh wow! Oh, fee, fee, I don't know what you're talking about, there, eh? I don't know what you're talking about at all. Holy, holy, Lord Thunder and Jesus, eh? Oh wow! All right, oh, fee, I'm gonna okay, send you man. back on your way. Thank you so much. You take Thanks, care Miles. and all the best. All right, take care. You too, Ben. Bye bye. You too. Bye bye. Well, that was our interview with Fee Waybill of the Tubes. Uh, cool guy. Um, I, I, I mean. I had a whole list of questions I wasn't able to get to. And I say that in like, uh, I loved his stories. I admire anybody who can out talk me, frankly, that's a feat. <laughs> I, I admire that too. I yeah. mean, uh, yeah, listen, um, storyteller, it was the two words that I was going yeah. to say. And, uh, you know, it's a good, uh, interview in that way when you can literally just drop a crumb or two and the artist just, talks and tell stories yeah right? yeah and he did yeah. have some cool stories and and like i said to him like I, I did love how he kind of painted that roadmap of where his latest album came from and and as somebody who has now listened to it top to bottom i really could see uh you know based on his words like oh yeah he was definitely at this point in his life as as this was happening and that's why he wrote this song and i get it now and then you hear the next song that he seems like, like he recorded it years later and it's got a very different tone and it's oh yeah i understand this now so you know i, I do hope people will will listen to uh the, this podcast and then listen to that album and put those two together and kind of live the journey with them because it, it really does shine through in that music yeah, it's it's interesting to think uh, how the album would have been different had it been into the studio, record track, 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 track versus you know taking as he says seven years of you know yeah. off and on to to put it together. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, if I if I really had to sum up his new solo album uh, in three words, she's a beauty. <laughs> <laughs> Heyo. Took the words uh, right out of my mouth. Yeah, that's how we do it. All right, well, that is all the time that we have. Uh, stay tuned, follow, subscribe, do all that fun stuff because we have an absolutely stellar, over-the-top, amazing guest joining us on our next show. Brent, you want to give a little teaser of who that is? I'm just going to say it's not every day that you get to talk to a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. No, it is not, um, but it will be that day. So stay tuned, everybody. This has been a Psalm Session. My name is Miles. Joining me on the phone. My name is Brent. See how quickly I said that? <laughs> there was still a gap. I'm, and I'm keeping it. I'm not even going to edit it out so that everybody's like, Love why it. does he always pause like that? Keep it. 
All right. We're going to keep it. That's it. That's all the time we have. Thanks, everybody. Take care. We will see you next time. See you soon.